0: The Law Report with Karen Key.
1: And a very good evening to you from tonight's Law Report program. I'm joined this evening by Michael Begram, practicing managing partner at Begram's Attorney's Labour Law Specialist, practicing here in Cape Town. Michael, good evening. Welcome back to the show. Hi, good evening. It's wonderful to be back. Time rushes forward. It does, and I'm sure we're in for yet another very, very busy evening, as we always are when you're in here. Well, we've got some email questions to deal with, so we'll be dealing with those throughout the show. We'll sort of be popping them in amongst the calls. But tonight, we'll also be focusing on how to run an arbitration. And once again, Michael has very kindly supplied a template for those of you wanting to find out more. But in the meantime, you can call us on 0892 10 2010, 0892 10 2010. Just leave your name and contact details with my producer and we'll call you back once we're done talking about arbitration. The National Council of Provinces, in partnership with the South African Local Government Association, will host a conference on local government from the 6th to the 8th of August under the theme, Developmental Local Government in a Capable State, celebrating achievements and exploring opportunities. Topics to be discussed include local government fiscal framework, good governance, accountability and sound financial management. The event will be attended by MPs, Salga Leadership, Ministers, the Auditor-General and other stakeholders. This initiative is aimed at facilitating dialogue to advance developmental local government. Watch it live on Parliament's DSTV Channel 408 and live streaming on Parliament's website www.parliament.gov.za. This message is brought to you by the Parliament of South Africa.
0: The Law Report with Karen
1: Key. Well, as I mentioned earlier, it's Labour Law Evening with Michael Bagram, and we're going to start off with talking about arbitration. Now, Michael, I think just put arbitration in its place. Where does this fit into the whole legal process?
0: Thank you, yes. What one talks about when you say arbitration is that actually is when it gets to a fight. Okay. It's almost like a court case. It's done through the Commission for Conciliation, Mediation, Arbitration, or through one of the bargaining councils, and we have spoken many times about referring a dispute that you have with your employer. That dispute would then be referred, let's for instance talk about the CCMA, or the Commission for Mediation and Arbitration. At the CCMA they first have a mediation type of process, uh, they call it conciliation, where the parties try and talk through a conciliator who acts as the mediator, a type of a Henry Kissinger personality Who would then try and bring the parties together to shake hands Uh, they often say that a good conciliation where people do settle is when both parties who have settled their dispute walk away crying (laughs) Uh, and you wouldn't have someone smiling or laughing like you just had because that means the other side is is really bitter so you would have two parties who are suitably unhappy then you've got a good settlement but as we've spoken before on this program Sometimes these things don't settle. Sometimes people can't find a resolution to their dispute. Once they can't find a resolution to the dispute, you want to institutionalize the fight. You don't want them to go outside and and beat each other up, obviously not. You also don't want people to in some way have, have a grudge for the rest of their lives and hate that person. You want to institutionalize the dispute. You want to put it with a set of rules. And you want to make sure that at the end of the day, the person who has been wronged, be it the employee or the employer, would then be able to have their say and get a resolution in terms of a result. The arbitrator will make a ruling, which is final and binding. Often people say, well, I've got witnesses, I'll bring them when I need them. This is the time when you actually need them, because this is a final it's the end of the road, as it were. It's the final dispute between the employer and the employee. Yes, there is a process after the arbitration where the unhappy person or company can then take that on review to the Labour Court, and we can discuss that in another programme because it's a bit more complicated, and it's, an, it's another process altogether.
1: Can you take legal, legal representation with you to an arbitration?
0: You can. You can in some of the, some cases, you can. Obviously, if there's a legal point that can be argued, um, they you'll hear attorneys call it a point in limine, a first blush point. If you're challenging the jurisdiction, or if you're having you raising some sort of legal issue, uh, you can bring an attorney in with you. Or if the dispute, for instance, is if you've been dismissed for operational requirements, and that gets referred to an arbitration. The only time you can't bring a lawyer to an arbitration and must be a registered attorney or advocate. It can't be a labor consultant. It, it could be a trade union or an employer's representative from a registered employer's association. But the only time you can't take a lawyer in with you into disputes of this nature if you've been dismissed for a disciplinary reason or a capacity reason. Um, So if you have been dismissed for being naughty at work or doing something wrong, then you in fact not entitled to a lawyer. I, as a lawyer within my own legal firm, we always find a way somehow into the CCMA. Um, Whenever I want to go and represent someone, I do go and represent them. And in fact, there's been a ruling in KwaZulu-Natal to say that the rules of the CCMA, which which lead to the... Um, outlawing of attorneys in certain types of cases, they're saying that law, isn't, law is not constitutional. So already there's been a dispute about whether you can keep attorneys out of these. Um, they seem attorneys and lawyers tend to pop up in the most odd places and they certainly do pop up at the CCMA. I go there on a regular basis. I in fact spent the morning there this morning. Um, much to lots of fun and uh, it was a great dispute. But we need to have a look, and that's why I provided with a template if anyone is wanting it, you will give them an email address. We need to have a look at how you could represent yourself. Either the employer, how can the employer represent him or herself, or the employee could represent him or him or herself. And and the way to do it is to take it seriously. This is not a joke. It's a final and binding ruling that comes out of it. You can't say, well, I could organize someone who can come and give evidence about X, Y, and Z. This is the time when you have to organize it. And what happens beforehand, there is a lot of work that goes into it beforehand. I know that we as attorneys spend weeks beforehand making sure that we've got all our ducks in a row. What we do first is we collect. Let's say, for instance, and we need to look at a for instance in this case, um, that As lawyers we're representing the company and what we do is we first ask the company for all its paperwork. Everything surrounding that particular case. Let's say that the company decided to dismiss Joe Soap who had stolen some petty cash. There's a process that leads up to it as we've discussed many times on this program that they would have a disciplinary hearing that there might even be an appeal internally and that eventually an external uh, independent chairperson has recommended dismissing Joe Soap they've dismissed him, they've given him a letter of dismissal they've filled out all his documentation, they've given him the um, you know the the UIF details, everything's been completed and, and finished and signed off. Joe Soap's unhappy he still believes he didn't steal the petty cash He's very unhappy, and he refers his dispute by filling in a form to the CCMA. It's the LRA Form 7.11. He fills it in, and he says that he wants to go take it to a dispute, to a uh, conciliation first, as we said, and then to an arbitration. A conciliation is unsuccessful. Sometimes an arbitration follows almost immediately, unless there's been an objection to that arbitration. And then it would go to arbitration in due course. And the CCMA would then appoint an arbitrator who's an independent person, knows nothing about the dispute at all, has a qualification, has been properly trained by the CCMA, and understands the nature of the labor law. So we say a Mr. Arbitrator or Mrs. Arbitrator um, would then say to the parties and they try again is there any possibility of us settling the matter if there isn't a possibility well then we'll go we will decide who bears the onus now that's legalese and what it really means is who has to start first and normally it's the employer and this is an allegation of a constructive dismissal uh, which we can talk about as well so what, what I'm talking about over here is your preparation for the day when you're sitting around that table so what do you do first is you bring out all the paperwork you first have a look at the company's terms and conditions of employment you look at joe soap's letter of appointment you look at the disciplinary code then what you do is you look at the letter inviting joe soap to the disciplinary hearing.
1: Now I'm assuming that Joe Soap would have all of this documentation as well so this actually goes have, for both sides. Yes, correct, it w- he
0: would probably have it but I'm looking it through the eyes because sometimes Joe Soap might not want to um, hand in the terms and conditions of employment because it might say something that he doesn't want anyone to read. Okay. He doesn't have to do it but as a company your obligation is to now produce the bundle of documents attorney's called about bundles is it a pile of documents that what i've just read out to you in other words um and it would be the the terms and conditions the basic conditions of that thing of that employment the letter of appointment the disciplinary code all those letters that 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 you have part of a person's file where they work and i know that as an attorney i often ask my clients can i have that employee's file please and in that file, I expect to see all these documents. Um, then, w- then what they do is you put together the documents which are particular to that disciplinary hearing. Uh, what is that? Maybe Joseph was suspended beforehand, so he would be called in, and you'll get a letter saying that after the discussions we've had with you about the allegation, we've decided to suspend you on full pay pending the outcome of the disciplinary hearing. So that would be another annexure put into that bundle of documents, then there'll be the notice to attend the disciplinary hearing, then there'll be the minutes of that disciplinary hearing, then there'll be an outcome where the arbitrator or not the arbitrator, the disciplinary chairperson would then make a recommendation after hearing the evidence and mitigation and aggravation And then that recommendation would be coupled with a letter from the company saying we've accepted the recommendation of the disciplinary chairperson and you are hereby dismissed. So you can imagine this was going to be quite a bundle of documents. It doesn't help to start in the arbitration itself fiddling around looking for the minutes of the disciplinary hearing, for instance. I I had that this morning um, where um, a trade union were fiddling around in their in their bags looking for this and looking for that. You don't do that. I go in organized. I go in, I have this bundle of documents. I call it the, if it's for the respondent, the company, I call it the respondent's bundle. I then number it on the top right-hand side corner, and I number it 1 to 72. So that when I ask an arbitrator and I make four copies of this bundle, And why do i make four copies one for myself obviously i make one for my client who's going to sit next to me i make one for the witness i make one for the other side and i make one for the arbitrator so i make four copies the original i'm holding and then the four copies i distribute and then i put my witness in the witness box and i say turn to page 72 and then everyone's on the same hymn sheet. We can all sing from the same hymn sheet. And then there's there aren't windmills going on. You often hear the papers being shuffled mm. and whatever. And uh, this morning it was a delight because I could watch a union. I could see they weren't organized. And I could watch the union fiddling around. Everyone's in their bag. Then he says this letter that was sent on the 7th of October 2011. And everyone's saying, well, where's that letter? And the arbitrator's getting irritable. Everyone's getting irritable, and of course what I'm doing is I'm stirring the pot on my side saying, well, I don't have it. It's not here. Where I don't see it anywhere. Really causing more consternation. And, and that's the nature of these disputes. You must go in organized. The next thing that one tries to organize, and it's very important, is it doesn't help to say that um, on the day the petty cash that was stolen, I wasn't there because I was in hospital. That doesn't help. What does help is that you've done your homework beforehand. You've gone back to the hospital and I said, look, I booked in on this day. I need to get your records. I need to have them attested by the hospital authorities that I was definitely here and with my ID and all that sort of documentation. So I can then produce it at the arbitration. And if I say to everyone, turn to page 32, there it is. And that shows that I actually wasn't there on the day that the petty cash has been stolen.
1: And so, therefore, I can prove that I wasn't the one that stole it. Now, this document that we're making available, that you very kindly are making available to the listeners, it's basically a point by point. There's 17 points on here. And it's effectively, if you have to go to arbitration, you need, before you go have this in front of you, go through all these points and make sure that all your documentation, like Michael says, is numbered so that you're the one that has the upper hand when it comes to finding things and having all your ducks in a row, that no one's going to catch you out. And copies of it. And copies of it for everybody else. And also
0: try and read it carefully beforehand. I always suggest to people it doesn't help on the day before. Um, It's like when you tell students, don't study the day before because that's not going to really help you. It's just going to panic you rather study six months beforehand. Now I'm giving myself advice because I never do that but okay but rather study six months beforehand so by the time you at the arbitration a document of that nature is familiar to you and you've done all the homework and your ducks are already in a row and they're all walking very nicely up front forward and each duck is following the next one so that by the time you get to that arbitration you are a cool cucumber you don't go in with a panic and a sweat shaking and saying, well, I could have got Mary to come and say that I didn't hit Joseph, um, and so therefore I'm not guilty of assault. What you would have done three or four weeks beforehand, you would have contacted Mary, say, can you get leave? I need you to come and tell us what you saw on the day to show that I didn't hit. If you aren't willing to come, would you still tell the truth if I subpoenaed you? And then you would issue a subpoena and a subpoena's got to be done 14 court days beforehand, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So all I'm saying in this document is it, goes, it takes you almost 50% of the way to be organized and to be able to show an arbitrator that you want to put everything in front of this arbitrator. The arbitrator doesn't know the story. You can't say, um, as I heard a witness a few weeks ago, well, you know Moss. Uh, the arbitrator says no I don't know and the idea is that it doesn't help to say well my letter of appointment says that I don't have to work on Saturdays where's the letter? that's the point that's the obvious question the $50 question then is pass me your letter of appointment it doesn't help to say well I've left it at home or I've only got one copy because you're going to irritate an arbitrator an arbitrator is the person that is going to give you that award that's the person you have to endear yourself to. That's the person who holds your future in his or her hands. And so if you organize, they feel that their life is being made hundred percent better. When you come in, you cool, you hand them a document, it's a bundle of like a reads like a novel, it's a bundle of pages, and then you take them through it very carefully. When they ask you, how many witnesses are you going to be bringing today, you don't say well i think maybe well i haven't actually thought this one through um, but maybe we'll bring about two. Oh no 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 sorry i also want to maybe think about and i'll phone him and see if he's available and arbitrator is going to go off the wall <laughs> they're going to say but haven't you thought about this beforehand you coming here you're not paying anything to be here this is paid for by the state it's a government department you want me to rule in your favor but now you're telling me you're not sure how many witnesses and i hear this Daily, from trade unions that go to the CCMA daily, come and say, well, we were going to bring Cheryl, but we couldn't phone her. And we tried on her cell phone this morning and she wasn't answering the phone. We're not sure if she went to work. The arbitrator said, well, have you spoken to her before? No, we haven't. But on the way here, he mentioned that Cheryl would be a great witness. You know that that would really drive me insane as an employer's representative sitting on the opposite side of the table. He's smiling. I'm not only smiling, I'm whispering to my clients, the employers, saying, this is fantastic. This is absolutely fantastic. We can now deny it. We don't have to agree. We can hold that evidence back because they haven't got someone to come and say anything to deny it. What everyone has to understand is that when you're going to run your own arbitration, you must have at least an inkling of the law of evidence. Have some sort of idea as to what is expected of you, even if it's necessary to maybe spend half an hour with a lawyer saying, How is it going to work? These this is the facts in my case. This is what it's all about. That lawyer, it would be invaluable advice. Any any lawyer or labor consultant would say, This is what I think you need. It's an advice on how to prepare for this arbitration. So what we've done is we put together this small document. At least giving people an inkling of what they should be doing beforehand. It doesn't help in any way to go in there with a bad attitude. And to say, and unprepared. yeah, I'm prepared, and I'm also I'm going to shout a lot and get
1: better than like in a street fight. That doesn't work at all. So, if you're wanting a copy of this arbitration document that Michael's very kindly allowed you to have a copy of, you can email me at law at safm.co.za, or you can po- I'll you can post a message on Facebook, which is law on sa or law at no law on safm.co. I get confused between the law on and the law at. It's the law on. SAFM on the Facebook and law at SAFM.co.za on the email. Right, now that I've totally unconfused myself, just to remind you, you tune to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. I'm Kyron Key and this is The Law Report. My guest tonight is Michael Bagram. He's an attorney in Cape Town, practising as Bagram's attorney's labour law specialist. And we're talking about labour law. If you have any questions, you can call us on 0892 10 2010, 0892 10 2010. Before we take our first call, Michael, we just have a few emails. We'll just sort of pop them in and out throughout the program. Um, The first one was from somebody who was, there was a problem with his annual increase. He apparently is the person that actually makes out the the remuneration payments for the management's authorization. And he's seen on those remuneration payments that all, as he says, all the staff are getting an increase, an annual increase, but he is not getting anything. He's applied for this cost of living adjustment. And he's getting nothing. And, and in fact, the the management are telling him that no office staff were receiving increases, and yet he's seeing the increases on the remuneration payments. If he's actually making out the payments, it was a bit of a stupid thing for the management to say to him. Um, and he's, he's a little bit confused about whether or not this is actually an unfair labour practice. It can be. We need to go
0: backwards a little bit and to understand that an increase, an annual increase, unless it's specifically outlined in your contract of employment saying you will get an annual increase by x percent an annual increase itself is not a right. It's, it's, a, um, it's a wish, it's a want but it's certainly not a right. So you can in fact even go out on strike for an increase and that's how we see most of the strikes in South Africa today but we certainly don't believe that in any way that's a right. In certain circumstances, and he might have outlined one of them, there might be a right. The, the most important one is where it says you will get a 10% increase every year.
1: Well, his, his complaint is everybody else seems to be getting them yeah, except no, him. No, no, I'm, going to, I'm going to go to that second part because if
0: it says in your contract you will get X amount every year and you don't get it, then that's wrong. That's an unfair labour practice. If, in fact, every single employee in the company got a 7% increase and he gets noughts and they haven't done an assessment on anyone, Well then we've got another unfair labor practice. Obviously he's being some way some in somehow discriminated against. Um I wouldn't call it discrimination in fact because then he can't go to the CCMA, he'll have to go to the Labour Court. But what I would say is that this is an unfair labor practice and to refer the matter to the CCMA. I think it would be easier, in fact, in circumstances such as these that he outlines, to raise a grievance, an internal grievance, if they do have a grievance policy. And to actually point it out to them that I know that of the 64 people that are working here, 63 of them got increases, and they all got the same increase, and I know the 64th person didn't get an increase and happens to be me, well, hello, I'm here, I'm working here, no one's told me I'm doing any bad work, what's going on? So. I think that is a worthwhile
1: yeah, <laughs> grievance
0: to raise before you run off to the CCMA. Because
1: he's talking about going to an attorney and that might end up costing him more than his increase. Could yeah, be worth. I, don't, so I, I don't think it's necessary to no, go. No, so that. either you know, raise the internal grievance and if that doesn't work, go to the CCMA, to to the which isn't going to cost you anything.
0: And in fact, they'll tell you exactly how to fill it in. They'll give you some advice. They'll also probably take you through some of the preparation that you need uh, to go there. I know that what we do with our clients at our law firm um, we bring them in um, if they're employees for instance we bring them in and we take them through mediation training because they're going to be standing alone there at the ccma no one can hold your hand at mediation uh, and no one's going to hold his this fellow's hand at the mediation he needs to be able to be trained how to mediate how to conduct yourself at a conciliation it doesn't help to scream it certainly doesn't help to make the most horrific accusations And especially in a case of this nature where you're talking about an annual increase, he probably doesn't want to lose his job. No. So you don't want to go there and say that your employer is a filthy, rotten employer um, because they're probably not going to be that enamored with you when you go home and you come back to work the next day. um, They might be very keen to push you back. I
1: can't say retrenchment. What is that? What am I supposed to say? A constructive dismissal. No, no, no. Is that something for operational? Dis- what is that? Dismissal for operational requirements. That thing, which yes. basically it, is being retrenched. Being retrenched. Yeah. yeah, it's much easier to say being retrenched.
0: So, and to sum up for him. The bottom line is, he should raise that internal grievance if his outline to us is correct.
1: Okay, right. The next one is says the listener says, I was employed as a general worker and I, and was then nominated as the health and safety representative. After I sent an SMS to a safety officer reporting an unsafe act at the batch plant, I was fired for bringing the company name into disrepute. The problem I have is the chairperson never told me during the disciplinary hearing how the company name was bes- besmirched or harmed. Well, that's a bit much. Yeah, He's is, a health it, and safety officer, says, oh, look, there's something unsafe. Oh, no, you can't say that. And then they fire him. Yeah, I mean, well, That's ridiculous. I
0: think, I think what might have happened here, and I'm trying to read between the lines, he might have at least come forward and reported to the company first and said, listen, you're doing something wrong. I'm the health and safety officer. Are you doing something wrong? Um, and maybe you must correct it. Well, he's the health safety rep,
1: and he reported it, it to the safety officer.
0: But the safety officer might be an external person, because they say you're bringing the company's name into... Disrepute. Disrepute. But he it, says they never told him
1: how, how, that, how that was.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I, one can imagine if... Um, I, I, a wonderful case we had a few years ago, and I'll explain to you what, what happened, it's a very simple set of facts. Um, a fellow who was the um, income tax... Uh, risk assessment officer for that particular company um, saw that there was a wrongdoing in the company. They weren't doing it intentionally, They were. this is their practice, they were doing something that was wrong, that was illegal in terms of SARS, the South African Revenue Services. So instead of telling the company, and they were sitting there in the internal of their, of their um, office that deals with it, instead of telling the company, listen, we're doing this incorrectly, We should be doing X, Y, and Z. They went to SARS to report that the company was doing it incorrectly and claimed a a reward for reporting on the company. The company then dismissed that employee by saying, you were specifically placed there to make sure that we did things correctly. When you noticed it the first time, don't you think it would have been wise if you came to us first to correct it And to report it to SARS, once it's been corrected and to show that we're very sorry, we've been doing this for two months, it shouldn't have been done this way, we'll pay our fine and let's get on with it. But no, he doesn't, he keeps quiet for six months, reports it, gets a nice big reward and gets him into major trouble and they pay millions of rands in in damages. And in fact, the court then decided that that dismissal was fair.
1: Well so you think this could possibly be the same thing here? It looks here?
0: like he's gone externally immediately without actually So trying the c- safety
1: officer wasn't part of the company then, Correct. is that what you're thinking? Yeah. So now he's been fired? Is can they do that?
0: Well I don't think th- I don't think that's fair. I think what which what they might be able to prove is that he did harm the company in some way or other. But to actually
1: take the radical step of dismissal... was well, a disciplinary is, hearing and then he was obviously fired. Yeah, yeah. I,
0: I think that's unfair. The radical step of dismissal is very, very so unfair. So he could
1: take this to the CCMA?
0: I presume so, as long as he's doing it within the 30 days. If he's outside the 30 days, he'll have to apply for condemnation. Uh, he probably could get it if he didn't know that it had to be referred there within 30 days. But that does sound sound a bit radical that he was merely doing his job and reported it.
1: Okay. Right. Well, we've got lots of calls on the line. We'll get through some more emails shortly. But let's go off to Sipo in Durban. Good evening. Sipo, how can oh. we help you?
2: Good, uh, good evening. Uh, thank you very much for a fantastic program. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I just need to find out, I was actually taken to a disciplinary hearing, and uh, fortunately, I think all my ancestors were on my side. Uh, I was actually vindicated and not found guilty. But uh, does, what, what is actually the, the, the process thereafter? Should, shouldn't uh, there be a letter from uh, the, the employer saying uh, probably withdrawing the sanction? Uh, because I, I just didn't know, I mean, what, what to do thereafter. I'll listen on the radio.
1: Thanks, Sipo. Thanks for getting through. Michael? Thank you. Thank Michael. you, Sipo. I, 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 I
0: appreciate that question and thank you very much for it. It does sound like the ancestors were on your side, but you must always remember... That for the ancestors to be on your side, you have to do your homework and you have to be, uh, be prepared for these things. And I'm sure you were prepared and that's why you won this disciplinary hearing. Yes, once you've been exonerated and you've been found not guilty at the disciplinary hearing, the companies need to do certain things. First of all, be, to be uh, decent to the employees, they should advise them that um, the disciplinary chairperson has been found has found you not guilty in writing in writing so that at least you know that your record is clean that's the first thing so so sepoy is sitting over there not he knows he's been found not guilty but he's got nothing no proof of that and it's quite important because it's important to have it on his record otherwise forevermore on his record is merely a notice to appear at a disciplinary hearing and there's nothing there in writing from the company saying he did nothing wrong. So that that's absolutely important, and I think it's incumbent on a company to actually do that so you can have it in your records that you've been found not guilty. So
1: he can go and ask for that?
0: He should go and ask for it. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't go off to the CCMA or to a bargaining council to ask for it because you're just causing more, more trouble. Um, a lot of companies that I deal with, and most of my clients, I tell them to do this, that if someone is not found not guilty at a disciplinary hearing, and they were barking up the wrong tree altogether, I normally ask them to send a letter saying, no hard feelings, we're sorry that we had to take you through this, but we were of the impression that this was what you were doing was wrong, it's now shown to us that you weren't, and we apologize you had to go through this process. So at least then the relationship can be built up again. Mm. Because often you have employees who are now a bit angry. Uh, They've been through a process, everyone's pointed fingers at them, and... And like Sipo, he, he's probably a little bit angry that he was taken through this nasty process. It's like being pulled backwards through a washing machine uh, where you don't actually know what's going on. There's lots of allegations. They're all untrue. And now you, you've you you've got this feeling, this vague feeling in the pit of your tummy that now this guy, these guys did it to me uh, to be unfair or to somehow irritate me. I think a company would be well-advised in that particular instance no one's big enough, no one's not big enough to say sorry, in other words you know, sorry this happened, um, hopefully we won't have to go
1: through it again All Right, so Sipu, tomorrow morning you can go and ask for that letter you're quite entitled to do that Right, off to Maseru, Edwin, good evening Good evening ma'am, how are you? Very well, we haven't had a call from Lasuti before, so welcome to the show
2: Thank you very much
1: How can we help you Edwin?
2: Ma'am, I'm, I'm listening to your program right now and uh, I am interested in that program. So I just want to know, is there any way I can do to get that the, ma- the material of the program?
1: Yes, Edwin, I've got your cell phone number. I think you left it with the producer. I will be in touch with you after the show. You are welcome. Okay, thank you, Edwin. Thank you very well, much. Only a pleasure. Good night to you. you. Right, David in Kenilworth, good evening.
3: Hi, Corinne. Hi, Michael. Hi, Hi. How
1: can we help David? I'm just going
3: to uh, skip quickly and give you what I think is are the viable solutions. If you can comment on that would appreciate. Okay. But a staff member in a retail business that's been AWOL from the front counter over approximately five to six months. When I say AWOL just basically only just discovered taking lengthy breaks in and out, pretending to go shopping, doing a variety of things. And in fact, leaving the counter completely unattended with one other chap on duty, but not seeing customers. Bottom line is my, my turnover has plummeted dramatically. Um, I've located that as a problem straight to my shop because I've done a relative turnover comparison year on year on growth in the shopping center and shops around me. So I know it's I've got the problem. What I've got here is uh, a company or a little business that's on the slide, and it's due to specific um, poor performance or misconduct. So what I have is a battery of charges against the individual from gross dishonesty through to not obeying lawful instructions from me over quite a lengthy period. And there have been verbal interventions where I've... I've sort of pulled the person up. The bottom line is I'm in an interesting, I think, cleft stick situation where it seems to be where it's dovetailing on retrenchment and and poor performance stroke misconduct. But my understanding of, of labor law is simply that I should rather go the misconduct route first because it's virtually impossible under the LRA in terms of your reviews and your notations and your very uh, sticky and finickety um, record-keeping of poor performance to get any kind of joy from that angle. So misconduct seems to be the way to go. That was, that's my one comment. If you could just comment on that. Should I fly through all of them quickly?
0: Michael. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to answer them as we go along. If you okay, don't mind. Alrighty,
3: so that would be you. the first one. My understanding that misconduct is the way to go, as opposed
0: to obviously, if one has yes, it's much que- much cleaner and quicker. If you do in fact have clear misconduct, in other words, if someone is um, putting a fast one on you and not actually standing at the desk, but Correct, sp- yeah. speaking uh, speaking to friends outside the shop. Or going for a smoke in the corridor, which is the normal one, yeah. Um, or just spending a lot of time in the toilet um, and on the cell phone. Especially if he's under thirty years old, yes. You'll probably find him on all sorts of like Mix It and all the, the the programs that they have. Yeah. That would be an easy way of doing it. Yeah. Obviously, I'm going to point fingers at you as the manager. You need to micromanage things like this very quickly. Sure. You can't let your shop slide because It's not just you that's going to be unhappy, but everyone else that's working over there. So, you know, you're keeping many families eating. um, So you you have a major obligation as a manager or an owner to micromanage these problems out of the way very quickly.
3: Yeah, and and sure, Mike. I hear you. I've just been made aware of this literally 72 hours ago.
0: Okay, well then I think grab it with both hands and throttle it. It, It's got to to come to an end. And yes, it sounds like... Uh, um, disciplinary hearing would probably give you the results and very quick results because if you're going to start handling um, performance performance is uh, an issue that can take you three months sure Um, and you know to performance manage someone you need to be a big department store sure and yes you're quite right you hit the nail on the head performance is something that you need to do over a long period of time so that's that finishes that problem. Have you got another issue?
3: A couple of ones that are related to that if I may shoot quickly. Very
1: briefly David, you would not believe the list of callers you've got waiting to go on and we've only got 20 minutes left.
3: Okay, one of the things I'd like to do as a sanction, I want to go for delictual damages on the loss of goodwill and brackets brand equity to the store as well as lost sales that I can prove on an average turnover on a monthly basis. So I want to go for section thirty four two, deduction from the salary and I want to demote Legally, simultaneously, as a possible outcome to the disciplinary hearing, and I know that's not double jeopardy based on the air traffic and navigation services case in 2011. Yeah, yeah. So you can do both. Am I right? You, you that? can.
0: You can. The problem is that it would have to be done by consent. They would have to sign that that the employee agrees to something like that. To you a demotion. To the demotion and also to the deduction. In other words, if you feel that. Uh, you have damages, and you can prove those damages. Yes. Either the employee accepts it and sign reduces its writing and signs that you may deduct.
3: I'm with you.
0: Um, otherwise, you can't do it, and then you're going to have to go and issue a summons. Remember, in terms of the basic conditions of Employment Act, yes. you can't deduct more than 25% correct. from Correct, it's one month. quarter. Yes,
3: yep. correct. Okay, so um, demotion, just the legal route of demotion, is that tricky or is that very easy?
0: It's easy if the person agrees. That, and
3: okay. that's all one re- re- requires, pretty much?
0: Correct. Absolutely. Okay, super. Thank you.
3: Thanks okay, a well, million. To good
1: help good you, David. Good luck to you.
3: Thank you. Thanks a so million. Thanks again, so a lot.
1: Good night. Bye-bye. Okay, Bye-bye. Off bye. to Nelspratt, Mokasonke. Good evening. Good evening. How are you, man? I'm very well. How can we help you? My no, fine, man. I, I would just like to talk to the specialist, the labour specialist. He's right here. You can talk to him. Nice. Uh,
4: I want to check, man. I'm, I'm actually working as a full-time shop steward in a company.
5: Okay. And
4: what is happening, there seem to be a tendency that when we take the case to A and it happens that as employees win the case, then the company opts to take most of those cases on review. Yeah. Which then becomes a problem because we believe that that third party is the one who's going to decide the fairness between the employer and the employee, but should it happen that the employee wins and the company take all the case on review? How best can I then engage the company in order to make them understand that this doesn't help the employer-employee relationship in terms of taking the case on review? As you know that if the case is taken on review, the employee will suffer. Because it's going to stay for almost a year or two years yeah. before the case can even sit.
0: Okay, let me let me tell you, there is some light at the end of the tunnel, and I understand what you're doing. Look, even I do that as a lawyer, acting on behalf of some of the companies. They come to me; they've lost an arbitration. They didn't come to me in the in the first place, and therefore they didn't run their case properly. They've lost it, and they say, "Please take this on review because we can buy another eighteen months or two years." That it takes to get a review done i think what you need to do and you sound like a very sensible shop steward and there's a shop steward that's had some training from the union so well done to your union for that because you understand what's going on but i think what you should do is engage the union to call the company to sit around the table to try and negotiate Um, maybe they can have uh, um, arbitrations that are final and binding instead of having disciplinary hearings so it's all done in one in one particular instance, and yet you won't go on reviews. So, you need to get some education into the management's head, um, and that's probably the only answer. But there is another light at that end of the tunnel, and it's not an on on, on oncoming train. That light is the changes to the labor law that we're going to see possibly in about March 2014. So, it's not that long off, but there, what's going to happen is companies are going to be forced to give a full-year salary as a deposit into Mm. the court if they want to take it on review. Now, that's going to be very, very difficult for companies, and they're going to be also told that the reviews must be heard within 30 days. Mm -hmm. So it's going to put pressure on the court, but then it's not going to help them by saying, oh, we'll take it on review and it'll take us two years or whatever it is. That's going to be history soon. So the labor courts are going to come to your aid very soon and it's around the corner so I don't think you have a big problem on it it obviously is a problem right now but my suggestion is as a shop steward you go to the management of the union call for a, a roundtable meeting with that company and try and get this sorted out because if you can show a judge that this company takes everything on review and you can show it in the next court case the judge is going to show his or her displeasure so I hope that helps you look out for that new law
4: yeah no 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 it's no, not thanks excellent thanks marcus. Uh, that was very good uh, i think i will try to engage the my principal thank in you to engage the senior management of the company
0: well so done well done issue.
1: thank you thanks for getting through marcus good luck to you no, thanks, thanks a lot good night bye to you bye. Bye, bye bye now off to colsonville george good evening
2: how are you man
1: very well george how are you
2: Yes, I just want to say thank to the program producer, Hi Mike, there, and to you as well.
1: Thank you. Uh, thank you.
2: Thank you. Yes, uh, my question is that uh, I'm working in mining industry around Carltonville. So most of the time when we are hired, we are hired in here. We are just uh, signing all the papers without being given the 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 the, 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 the what do you call it the the
0: copies of your contract contract of employment employment. you haven't got copies of it
2: yes uh, they don't usually give us uh, but the officials uh, starting from the artisans the miners and the ship bosses have been given that contract uh, I just want to know if if it's the right way to deal with people because we as the people from the different backgrounds with Matrix we come here with Matrix and it takes us time to be developed Mm-hmm. to get on that position. We, yeah. we don't just give them that uh, contract of employment.
1: Yeah, Thank, thank you, you very much. Thank we you. Thank, to
0: you. The radio. thank you, yeah, George. Thank you. Okay.
1: Okay. Thank you. Thanks for getting through. Michael?
0: Yes, George, that, that is a good question, and it often happens where companies very seldom give letters of appointment and contracts of employment to the more junior staff who come in and they give it to their artisans, but they don't give it to the others. If you are in the mining industry, you are probably a member of NUM or UMCU or one of the associated member unions and my suggestion is that you first take that up with the union because everyone is entitled to a contract of employment. Everyone's entitled to have their own contract and to be able to keep it and take it home and that is your entitlement in terms of the law, you are entitled to it in writing terms of the basic conditions of employment act you must have a contract of employment in writing that outlines a whole lot of uh, factors i won't go through them now we don't have the time and you should have a copy and, of that and you will have a copy of that of that contract and if you don't have it then you're entitled to get it you if you haven't got a union then go to the department of labor and say that none of the junior employees or the people who i work with have contracts that that inspector will go and get you your copies of of your contracts, so uh, you you mustn't leave that lying around
1: right just quickly we're running out of time but we've still got more calls and I just want to get through one or two more emails very quickly Um it was actually quite quite a sad story I got one email from the, a father and I got another one from the son about the same issue and basically I'll read the father's one because he says my son was a contract worker for one of the companies who install solar panels on farms In June of this year, this is now the father speaking, I sent the company an SMS in which I expressed my disagreement in the way that they treated the workers. The manager on the site called my son in and spoke with him about it. And afterwards, he told my son he's a safety risk and is no longer welcome on the site. He then suspended the son verbally. Now, the father wants to know why and can they suspend the son for that? Because according to him, the father, the the son did nothing wrong. Can he be kept liable for what he's done, what the father's done? And prior to this incident, the son was never charged or appeared before disciplinary hearing for any misconduct or anything. So the father wrote a letter to the company, said, I don't like the way you're treating the workers. The son then gets called in and the son is suspended because he's a safety risk. That doesn't sound right.
0: No, it's absolutely incorrect. There are a whole lot of things that are incorrect. First of all, the father phones in, so they should tell the father that they're not talking to him because he's not an employee of theirs. Mm. They can't then go and punish the son because the father called in. I mean, that sounds ridiculous. It's, uh, you know, the, the sins of the fathers. There's something, yeah, no. there's something rather biblical about this. And the other thing is then you can't suspend people orally. You have to give them a letter saying they're suspended on full pay pending the outcome of a disciplinary hearing. I you can't just suspend them in in any event over and above all that just by expressing that you don't like what's happening even if the son did that i don't see he's done anything wrong anyway the he's son really, didn't do anything we're living in a democratic country where we've got a certain amount of freedom you can actually express that i'm a little bit unhappy about something um i mean this is starting to sound like abu dhabi where they jail the lawyers oh, who yes. complain about Professor things yeah, okay. the, i mean this is really ridiculous mm. so my suggestion is that the father asked the son to go in and say, listen, it wasn't me, that raised this issue. It was my father, after all. I've done nothing wrong. Can I come back to work? If he doesn't, if he doesn't get that joy, then I think he must go off to the CCMA. Definitely a case.
1: Yeah. Right. One other very brief one, quickly. It says our department appointed people under the public service internship program. The intern now needs to take on family responsibility leave. The person writing this says, my reading of the Uh, basic conditions of employment indicates that the intern qualifies to take family responsibility leave what i need assistance on is to confirm whether the intern qualifies for such a benefit
0: yes obviously any employee we all all of us working and we the lucky few that are working all of us working fall under the basic conditions of employment act if we fall under the basic conditions of employment act we're entitled to the benefits as outlined by the basic conditions of employment act so even someone such as an intern would qualify for family responsibility leave if the conditions were there for normal family responsibility leave. So in fact this fellow who wrote to the to us is absolutely correct. His reading is correct. He's entitled to a benefit.
1: Okay, right. So let's try and squeeze some more calls in quickly. Sandile in East London, good evening.
0: Good evening, how are you?
1: Very well, thank you. How are you and how can we help you? I'm fine. I have a quick one. Okay. Hey, my
5: situation is about a complaint that I have with the lawyer that I've been using. Um, if I can just brief you, the matter started in 2004. Somewhere there, I went to the CCMA, and the ruling was in the favor of the employer. Then we went for the review to labor court, and the labor court still felt that uh, the arbitration uh, uh, commissioner was correct. And, and then, but then we found out that when we was taking on on the case. He, he did not hear our side of the story as to why we were reviewing the case in the first place. where we pointed to him why we're saying that. Then he admitted having made a mistake. Then he granted us a uh, leave to appeal to the labor court. And we got that around about 2010. When we were back of appeal, my lawyer now told me that uh, he used to make some uh, uh, recordings of, of, of the hearing. And then I paid some money that was fine. And then later now I've been told that uh, the company that is doing the recording cannot complete the record because some bundles have pages that are not complete in that the the bundles that they have don't have the, the same pages that are calling the record seems to, or supposed to be there. And I'll ask the lawyer now what's going to happen if, if, if that is the case because I gave him all the documents. And the worst part of it is not responding to my calls, to my uh, correspondence, and all that. All that I want to know: what sort of uh, recourse can I take on here? What 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 should I do? I mean, to, to recover the damages because now if I don't go to appeal, and I cannot uh, um, recover the, the damages, because I was appointed on a five-year contract, and then I was dismissed when I only served two two years of that contract.
0: Okay,
5: and, thank you. And, and my 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 other problem is that if I report him to Law Society, they're saying there if it's about the negligence of the employer, the law society can only well for those uh, invite him to a hearing but cannot make him to pay for whatever damages
1: for such. Okay. Michael, if you I'll be running out of time so you can No, no, I'll be I'll be very
0: quickly and thank you for that. Look, obviously the only route that you've got in circumstances of this nature is either to go to another lawyer to get them to sue the first lawyer or to go to the Law Society. Obviously going to another lawyer to get them to sue the first lawyer is expensive, tedious and I don't think it will be worth it. I do think that you should go to the Law Society. If in fact the lawyer has in any way done something which is negligent or um, uncalled for, uh, irregular, the Law Society will give you that benefit and they will have a proper hearing and they you can get damages from lawyers they make mistakes they do things wrong sometimes they're nasty um and you can do it so my strong advice is get to that law society as quickly as possible okay thank you
5: okay that's this another one oh. what happens when you find that not another case i know this one what happens when you find that the employee has been granted um, uh, condonation, and then you you then find out later that uh, with the new evidence, that when they were submitting their facts for condemnation, they lied under oath the, the evidence that they submitted there was incorrect. And what what, what sort of measures um, uh, that we can take to 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 have that that uh, uh, set aside?
1: Okay, yeah. know, Michael. Literally, Sandile. We, we've got that, a, We've that, got so about that. 45 seconds for okay. Michael to answer you. So just le- n- listen n- to Let me this.
0: explain. If someone has lied under oath and they've got condemnation because of the lie you will then go to the arbitration and you will raise it at the arbitration and the arbitrator will then not believe other things they have to say. So, yes, it's good that you found that out and you can use it. It's a very valuable tool. So thank you for that.
1: Okay, thanks. thank you. Okay, Sandile, thank you. And to Michael and Patrick, who are still holding on, I'm afraid we're not going to get to your calls, but thank you very much for calling through. And to all those other callers who couldn't get onto the show, we really need to make the show longer, you know, Michael. We just can't seem okay. to get through everybody when you come in here. But my thanks once again this evening to Michael Begram. He's the Practicing Managing Partner at Begram's Attorneys, Labor Law Specialists here in Cape Town, and he's been my guest on tonight's edition of the Law Report Programme. Michael, thank you very much.
0: Once Thank you. Again. I really appreciate it. We had some wonderful questions tonight. We did, rather. Please keep them rolling in, everyone, because it makes our lives a lot more exciting.
1: Yes, and we look forward to hearing from them all again. You'll be back with us again on Monday, the 2nd of September. I can't believe you're so far into the year. But um, so if you want to hear Michael again, the Monday, the 2nd of September, and remember, if you'd like the template for the arbitration, you can drop me an email at law at safm.co.za or you can paste something on the Facebook page, Law on SAFM. Well, the Law Report is on the air on SAFM every Monday evening between 9 and 10. And if you'd like to contact me, you can do so via email. That's the law at safm.co.za. And you can also find me on Facebook on Law On SAFM. Well, in next week's program, being the second Monday of the month, we will once again be joined by Attorney Nicolene Skuman for our general law clinic. That's the law report next Monday, the 12th of August. And I'll be back with you again tomorrow evening, just after nine, with the disability report. So join me for that. But also remember, if you go onto the Facebook page, there's a list of documents, legal documents, and things that are available to you. If you'd like any of those, they are all numbered. Just look and see what you'd like. Drop me a mail or post something on Facebook. And I'll be more than happy to send you any of those documents that you'd like to have a look at.